0: Podcast Land, you set your dial to Combat Sports with Rhino, your first, best, and only all-encompassing combat sports podcast. We had ourselves quite the show on Saturday night. Man, still not over it, dude. I've still got the, uh, I still got the buzz, still got the juice from watching what a great car, but especially the Burgos Emmett one, which of course we will get to later. So on this week's episode, we've got our uh, Volcan versus Blades breakdown, Trey's drop of the night. Our main card picks for next uh, weekend's Poirier versus Hooker. Some awesome Twitter voice and voice Q and A. And then I don't want to bury the lead. We've got ourselves. I mean, you, the word legend really does come to mind of uh, from like kind of the beginning of the Zufa era of of the UFC. One of its first stars, uh, one of the toughest guys ever to fight in the middleweight division. Chris the Crippler Lieben goes ten rounds with Rhino, and I am stoked. So. Let's go ahead and jump right into our Fight Night Volkoff versus Blades Prelims. Uh, we had Austin Hubbard versus Max Roscoff. Um this one actually gets a little bit of attention in the in the fan Q&A. So basically, you know, obviously Roscoff took it on pretty short notice. He was only uh 5 and 0, I believe in his pro career. He was a former Division 1 wrestler at NC State. You know, the the first round was pretty close. It was pretty even and then Austin Hubbard really showed his experience, uh, hitting him with leg kicks and punches. That, too, was landing a lot. And then in between the second and the third, Max uh, quit on his stool. His uh, Robert Drysdale, who was his corner man, really tried to implore him to go back. And he did a little bit overboard in trying to get him to go on. When the kid was done, he was done. But again, we're going to dive more into that a little bit later. Austin Hubbard, uh, you know, gets the TKO win over Max Roskopf. So then we moved into the, you know, the bummer, uh, the, the bummer from the prelims. Uh, Roxanne Monteferi, Um, everybody loves Roxy. I mean, come on, what a great example of a human being, really, um, versus Lauren Murphy. The first round, I actually gave it to Roxy. It was very close. I thought she edged it. Uh, the second, Lauren, really, she wobbled her. With a punch and then took her down hard towards the end. Uh the third round, Lauren landed harder, dude. She she really sealed it with another late takedown. Um, I definitely and then she outlanded Roxy 102 to 80. So it, the right call was Laura Murphy, even though I was rooting for Roxy very much. And I still love Roxy. I think the happy warrior will be back. Uh so we'll wait and see what's next for these two ladies. Uh, moving into 155, we had Frank Camacho versus Justin James, and man, what a fucking swarm by James, dude! James swarmed Camacho, landed 22 punches, and stopped him by TKO in literally like less than 40 seconds. I think it was 35 seconds in the first round. Just swarmed him. Uh, Camacho had no answer. He took the first shot, took the second shot, and then after that, yeah, I think he was out on his feet. And thankfully, the fight got stopped. Man, what a performance by who we're, we're going to call J.J. in this one. Uh, moving on to the prelims, we had Courtney Casey versus Jillian Robertson, Robertson, I should say. Jillian spent most of the first round in top control without much damage. A lot of the same in the second. Uh, the first two minutes on the feet, Courtney was landing. Um, and it looked like she was getting pretty good, confident, you know what I mean, landing some shots. And then, boom, another takedown by Jillian she, she secured an RNC right at the very end of the third. Uh, Courtney Casey had no chance but to tap out. So Cast Iron takes the L. Jillian Savage Robertson takes the W. And uh yeah, that was at 125 on the prelips. Then we have Marc Andre Barrialt, who I'm just gonna call uh Mab <laughs> versus Oscar Pecho Pejota. Um Mab clearly won round two. He had some great uppercuts, and then that really was the case of the first round. It was all Mab all the time. And then the second round, it was more of the same. I thought Oscar had a better second round. He 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 tried to manage the distance a little bit better, but uh Marc Andre was not gonna be denied. Got the TKO at 450 of round two. Really good performance by him. Uh so we'll see what's next for for Mab. <laughs> then moving into the 115 pound division, we had Tisha Tiny Tornado Torres against the uh newcomer Brianna Van Buren. The first half, Bianna Van Buren was grinding on her. You know what I mean? She was doing a really good job of keeping it close. Uh, but then, uh, up against the cage. But then in the second half, that, that went to Tisha, you know, with the kicks. That could have gone either way. The second round, Tisha came out blasting. Lots of blitzkriegs, you know, big big punch combinations, kicks. It was awesome. Clearly, uh, clearly, tiny Tornado won the second. In the third, huge kicks by Tisha Torres. Two great back elbows, though, by Van Buren. I, I didn't want to break down this fight without mentioning those when they were up against the fence. Van Buren threw some beautiful backwards elbows, which you don't see very often. Pretty underused technique, which I think we'll see a little bit more of. But, uh, yeah, Tisha Torres clearly clearly won by, by decision on that one. Um, it, but it was a great fight for both, it and was, it was exciting. Uh, kind of the return of Tisha Torres, man. She had looked in great form. Uh, moving on to Bobby Green versus Clay, the carpenter, Guida. Bobby outstruck Clay. Uh, Clay got a couple of nice takedowns. The first first one could have gone either way. Um, the second and the third, to me, were clear cut. Clear, yeah, clear, clear cut. Yeah, clear cut. Clear cut. Clear cut. Green vintage Guida pressure, though. I'll give him that. He had some good attempts. He tried to keep it close, and then I was worried, as I'm sure other people were, that we were going to have another Bobby Green robbery because he has been. Robbins of several split decisions in the guy's career. But, uh, yeah, it was definitely Bobby Green. Got the UD. Good on him. Really liked him. I hope Clay sticks around for another fight or two because I sure love watching him fight, dude. The pressure he brings, his attitude is nonstop bouncing around. And he's just a joy to watch. He's been around for forever, and he seems not to be slowing down. So, good on him. Uh, then the, the heartbreaker for me on the main card my girl Marion Renault, the Belizean Bruiser versus Rocky Pennington. First of all, Rocky looked way bigger. So she had a must had a pretty tough weight cut and then did a good job of rehydrating and fueling up because she looked almost a weight class bigger than Marion in the 135-pound division. Lots of jabs and hooks by both uh in the first. I thought the first round went to Marion with when she had her up against the cage and she controlled her against the cage for a while, uh, with the body lock and, and the little punches. But I guess I'm gonna be honest, you know, the second. And the third were, were clearly Rocky. She uh, had that plum, you know, the tie clinch. Marion had a very hard time getting out of it. Rocky landed a lot of knees on the inside in the clinch work. So, yeah, I thought it was clearly two rounds to one for Rocky Pennington. Much as it hurt me to watch, I know my girl Marion will be back. I'm not worried about that at all. Then we're going to move on to uh, Roosevelt Roberts versus Jim Miller in a, at a 160 catch weight. Uh, very early, man. Jim Miller kind of threw a kick and. Uh, Roosevelt slipped. Miller jumped on him. Transition drives to different subs. Tapped him by armbar. Verbal tap at 225 in the first round. So I still think Roosevelt Roberts has a good future uh, in the division. I think he's a great striker. But when you go against a veteran like Jim Miller, man, you can't make any mistakes. And Jim Miller proved that yet again. Uh, moving on to so Bilal Muhammad versus Lyman Good. So, you know, this this was a fun fight. This was uh, one that I was looking forward to very much. It was great footwork by Bilal in the first round. Good jab, too. It was a little bit closer the second round. Lyman did a little bit better job, but I still edge it to Bilal. Um, Lyman, good drop Bilal early in the third, and then a late takedown and bat taken um, by Bilal in the third. But I, I, I'm not sure I would have given it to you, but I, I might have leaned towards Lyman in the third. But, again, that's still two rounds to one for uh, Bilal Muhammad, so I got to give that to him, and that's the way it was. Now I know I, w- I kind of whipped through those first bunch of fights because I wanted to get to this one so bad. Josh Emmett versus Shane Hurricane Burgos. My goodness, people! I mean, they came out and from the jump, Emmett was throwing super hard, dude. They were both throwing slick, clean, beautiful techniques at each other. Burgos looked huge at 145. I mean, Emmett's a big guy for that division, and Burgos just—I mean—looked huge comparatively uh some really good leg kicks in the beginning it looked like emmett kind of missed took a misstep or slipped on the k can- or i mean on the on the canvas or something and he and he grabbed his knee and he kind of wobbled on it turned out later he really did tear his entire acl and fought the rest of the fight that way i mean what hard dude but both guys incredible firefight. fight the whole second round could have gone either way so i gave the first round to emmett i gave the second round to shane uh josh dropped shane early in the third uh, you know, it was only for about 30 seconds. And then because uh, Emmett jumped on him afterwards, but then uh, Burgos was able to get back up. Josh dropped him for a second time. After that, they just went to war. I want to talk like huge. I'm so glad they they put that performance on for us, man, because the next fight didn't really live up to that, what we were hoping for, I guess. But man, huge, huge kudos to Josh Emmett and Shane Burgos. What a fight! Uh, Emmett's gonna be out for a long time now, unfortunately. But I know that when he comes back, man, he'll be he'll be at a pretty uh, high ranking. And I know Burgos, I think dropped four slots if I remember correctly. So, yeah, great, great by both guys. I'm just gonna kind of cruise through the uh, main event, which was Curtis Blades versus Alexander Volkov in the headway division. Not the most exciting fight, right? Blades took Volkov down almost at will, especially over the first four rounds. Didn't do a ton of damage. Whenever they would get to the feet, Volkov seemed to start to get a little momentum. Uh, You know, Blades just took him down. He actually set the record for uh, heavyweight takedowns in in a fight over the five rounds. In the fifth, it seemed like Volkov kind of had better energy. It looked like the cardio on Curtis wasn't great for this fight. Now, again, I don't want to harp too bad on guys whose cardio isn't as it always is because Look at the look at the deal with the pandemic. Uh, how we where a lot of people aren't training at their normal gyms. They're not getting the same sparring partners. I am giving them a little bit of leeway on that, not a full board excuse, but a little bit of help and explanation. So, uh, yeah, the, in the fifth, Volkov got up a few times and landed some more shit. I gave him the fifth, but yeah, I gave it the first four clearly to Curtis Blades for the takedowns. And I'm not going to use the word lay and pray, but I'm kind of using the words lay and pray. <laughs> so, uh, clearly won you know the unanimous decision over Volkov. I don't know what's next. I'll get into that another time uh, for those two. So at this point, d Reigns, why don't we give our dear friend, Drea, a call and we can rock into our Drea's Drop of the Night, our main card picks and our Twitter questions. And now, ladies and gentlemen, everybody's favorite feature, Drea's Drop of the Night. Thank you for joining us again this week, Drea. What's up, guys? So glad to have you back as always. So Drea, we had, there wasn't any KO KOs, but there were some drops of the night. Which one did you pick as your favorite? Henceforth, Drea's drop of the night this week.
1: Well, I think the one that stood out to me the most was Justin James versus Frank Camacho. Justin came out swinging and throwing bombs right from the gate. Um, and he caught Frank with a, a left hook that, you know, he dropped, was able to somehow stand back up and then took a few more punches and was basically just out on his feet before the fight got stopped. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and go with that one. Justin James, uh, round one TKO, just 40 to, 42 seconds into to round one.
0: Heck yeah, dude. Justin James, talk about putting a stamp on your debut. Man, that was awesome. So that is Drea's drop of the night. Please look for the feature later on Twitter where she puts her cool Drea's drop of the night up. It'll be fucking awesome. So speaking of awesome, we've got next week's uh fight card between Dustin the Diamond Poirier and Dan Hangman Hooker. So I'll get us started with our first pick for the main card. I've got Maurice Green, also known as the crochet boss. Over long time, um Sarah Longo fighter, John Vellante. I got Maurice Green taking care of him in the second round, a second round TKO gonna be too big, too strong over John Vellante. TKO two for me.
1: Hmm. We are the complete opposite. Um, I'm actually gonna take John Vellante uh by TKO in the second. Same. Finish, but I'm just going the opposite person. I'm gonna, I'm taking John Delante.
0: Mirror images of each other on that picture. Man.
1: Mirror
0: <laughs> images. <laughs> <laughs> then moving into the uh, middleweight division with Brendan Allen. I've got him beating Kyle. I'm gonna say Duke House. I think that's how you pronounce it. I got Brandon Allen winning by unanimous decision over Kyle in this one. What do you got?
1: I have Brandon uh, Allen as well, but I think he's gonna win by submission, and I'm going uh submission in the second.
0: Do you want to call that submission, Dre? Do you want to get? Do you want to get out there and crafty with it? What do you? Want?
1: I don't. I don't think I'm going to get that technical on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let you know what. Let's just go. I'm going to say Rear Naked Choke, uh, Rear Naked right, Choke R&C in a
0: second. in a second. Okay. Yeah. Then we've got um, the CM Punk stopper, Mickey <laughs> Gall versus Mike Platinum Ferry. Mike Ferry has gotten more time on my timeline in the last week or two than probably the last <laughs> three years total. He
1: sure has. <laughs> he
0: has been all over the place. Um, I've definitely got Mickey Gall weathering an early storm from Mike Perry and I've got Mickey Gall winning by submission in the third round. And I am calling it the rear naked choke in the third round with Mickey Gall over Mike Perry. Drea, what's your take on this one?
1: So this is probably a pretty, brave take and i know all the crap everyone's been talking recently with his girlfriend holding pads and gonna be his corner man and everything um but i think he's gonna come out with a vengeance um you know with with his history what he's gone through these last you know this past six months or so i'm thinking he's gonna come out crazy and and get a ko i'm gonna i'm gonna say mike perry ko in the second
0: mike perry ko two over mickey gall okay Uh, I I like this one to be, I know this is not the co-main event, but anytime that a former person who's, former fighter who's gone 10 rounds with Rhino, I always want to give them a little extra shine. So in this one, we got a catchweight between Kyle the Monster Nelson out of Canada, my dude going against Sean Woodson, who I actually was impressed with the last time I saw a fight. But I know I'm sticking with my boy, Kyle the Monster Nelson, unanimous decision over Sean Woodson.
1: You know, I can't go against a, a 10 rounds with Rhino contestant either. So I'm going to go ahead and go Kyle on that one as well.
0: We are nothing if not loyalists to those. <laughs> we, <honest>. are. <laughs> <laughs> we are.
1: We <laughs> are.
0: All right. So let's uh Yeah, I'm fully cheering for Kyle. And let's go monster. All right. So Dustin, the diamond Poirier versus Dan, the hangman, hooker in our main event. Um Dustin Poirier. I, I, gosh, I love the guy. Not only his fighting style, I love all the charity work he's done, particularly in his home state of Louisiana. I think his boxing is gonna be better than Hooker. I think um his experience, you know, having been in five rounders and um going against the B, I think he's been really hungry ever since. I definitely had I think he has the skill set and the experience to get it done. I've got Dustin Poirier beating Dan the handman hooker by TKO in the fourth, and I'm calling the shot. I think Poirier is going to hit him with a two, which is going to send Dan back into the cage. And then Poirier is going to go in and press him up against the cage and just unload shots on him. And Hooker is going to crumble to the mat. Fourth round TKO, Dustin the Diamond Poirier. What about you?
1: Okay, so I was a Dan Hooker fan. Until recently, all his shit-talking and everything on Twitter has just kind of, like, made me step back a little bit. And I feel like every day that goes by, I like him a little bit less. Um, And I've always been a Dustin Poirier fan, so um, I'm also taking Dustin Poirier. um, But I think this is going to be an all-out brawl for the whole fight, and I think it's going to go the distance. um, And I think Dustin's going to take it by a split decision.
0: Oh, the Razor Coast. Close? Yes. Yeah, I think it's going to be close. (laughs) All right. So that's our main card picks. Um, We'll put our prelim picks up later on Twitter. But as far as the show goes, we're just doing our main card for this one. So we are going to move into our Twitter questions, Drea. And I know my first (laughs) one comes from my dear homie, Mr. B. What does Mr. B have for us today?
1: He says, after the most insane fight on the card last night, who do you match up Emmett and Burgos with next?
0: So it's really at this point, it's only Burgos um who I'm gonna make picks for because, like we talked about earlier in the show, unfortunately, Josh Emmett really uh got hurt, man. A full ACL tear in his knee. He's gonna be out for a while, so it's kind of to be to be determined whenever he can come back. But for Burgos, like I said, I think he dropped four slots in the uh in the rankings. Here's a couple of guys who I came up with. I would like to see him fight for his next fight. I love the idea of him in super sadiq yusef fighting i would love to see that one i think that'd be another barn burner uh arnold allen is another guy i think would be a good matchup so uh, i'm not sure if these guys have signed a fight yet i'm not i'm not 100 but again even if they fight soon that's still plenty of time for the next go-round i'd like to see shane burgos versus super Sadiq yusef or arnold allen so my man mr b those are my two picks for what i want to see next for mr burgos So I know our next one comes from both of our dear friend, Cyrus King and Cyrus King, the the king of food porn on our Twitter timelines. And with someone like me who is dieting down, Drea is too. Uh, It's it's, it's a dick move. (laughs) So many things you put out there, Cyrus, man. They look so good all the time, you son of a gun. But uh, you are a dear friend, and we appreciate and love you. So uh, what does Cyrus have for us this week?
1: What do you think of Curtis Blades' performance? Do you think MMA fans are too obsessed with winning and style? Isn't the goal of combat uh, the goal of combat is
0: about winning? Yeah, buddy, winning is the utmost is of the utmost importance. I gr- I grant you, but in the UFC, especially when you're in one of the top guys in the division, you need to be interesting enough for your fans to want to watch you fight, right? Curtis did a great job on the takedowns. Like I talked about earlier in the show, he he set a record for heavyweight takedowns in a fight. The problem is, when he was on top, he wasn't hardly doing anything to try to advance position, to really go hard on the ground and pound to change up the strikes on top. He didn't go for any submissions. He was just interested in staying on top and controlling. Now, if all anyone's ever interested in is winning and losing, then okay, that's what you want to be. But if you want to be a top guy, if you want to get a if you want to keep ascending the level, if you want to get a fan base that's going to, you know, kind of clamor for you to get title shots and whatnot, you've got to be more exciting than what he was. And I think, like I talked about earlier, I think a lot of it was this cardio related, man. I think maybe he had a, you know, a shorter camp than normal, or, or he just didn't have all the same, uh you know, training partners or, or what have you, or the schedule might have been messed up. I'm not sure. But he definitely looked like he was not in the same cardio shape as we've seen Curtis Razorblades in before. Again, good on you for winning, but you got to be more exciting, particularly if you're going to be a guy who's great at takedowns, takedowns. Do some fucking, use more ground and pound, dude. Go for a finish. Go for a sub. Do something. So that's my take on that, Cyrus. Thank you so much, my friend. I know our next one comes from the dear homie Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz at Solo Shoes and the creator of The amazing Chris Lieben poster that has come out this week. My dear friend Dave Fretz, what do you got for us today, buddy?
1: Did you see Dan Hooker's tweet to Sean Shelby regarding uh, Max calling it on his stool? His tweet read, how do you get into the UFC without realizing you're made of marshmallows? My personal opinion is that this type of behavior is damaging to the sport and goes against everything that martial arts stands for. What is your take on this type of trash talk that is very public from fighters in social media and is now beginning to stray away from direct opponents?
0: Yeah, dude. So you hit the nail on the head with this is this was an attack on somebody. So Dan Hooker is a long time that he's got a lot of fights. He's been around a long time. You want to talk about a kid who is five and, you know, what's five and one now um, very early in his career and you're taking shots at him. It just makes you look like an ass dude. This kid is probably going to regret that decision. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'm not him, but he was already feeling down enough and then to have somebody with your name and profile pile on and say he's made out of marshmallows and call him names and try to make him feel worse. How does that benefit you in any possible fucking way? You douchebag. I rarely call a fighter a name or, or get pissed off or upset with somebody. That is such a douchebag maneuver on Dan Hooker's part. Um, like I said, th- that there was no call for that. He's not an opponent of yours, dude. He's not even somebody who's on your radar. And, and so it, it made no sense other than to be a dick. So Yeah, fuck Dan Hooker on that one, dude. So, yeah, it was completely classless, Dave, to to answer your question. A completely classless thing, and I don't think – I mean, I think a little trash talk amongst, like, two guys who were going to fight who are on the same level, that's fine and good. You know, there's levels to it, but that was a complete bullshit decision on his part to go uh, kick that kid while he was down. So, thank you, my dear friend, the Einstein of graphic design, Dave Fritz, And I think our last Twitter question comes from my homie, Phil, the MMA dude from the Split Decision Podcast. And what does he have for us today, Drea?
1: He says, who do you see beating Valentina at flyweight, if anyone? I think she's unstoppable, but am I overreacting?
0: No, dude, you're not overreacting So." I'm with you, and I don't see anybody at 125 who could beat Valentina. But that doesn't make for a very good question answer, right? So let's uh, let's get a little out of the box. Let's 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 delve into this a little bit. I am thinking about my girl Tatiana Suarez, as I call her, the female Habib. What if she moves up to 25 in a year or two, right? What if she has a little muscle on and kind of says, you know what, I want to move up to 125 and you know kind of work my way from there. Her ground and pound is unparalleled. Her takedowns are amazing. Her, her stand up is getting better. Obviously, she can't stand with Valentina. Nobody can stand with Valentina at 25. But I just think this is a very intriguing, impossible matchup for next year, maybe two years down the road. I just I think Valentina can win every single person against every single person in the 125 pound division as we have it right now. But again, a little wild card action right there. I'd love to see Tatiana Suarez get up to the 125-pound division and challenge the queen as she is, Bullet Shevchenko, for the title year two. We'll see what happens. So that's my answer on that one, Phil. Thank you so much. And if you guys don't already, please check out the Fighting With with Myself. Sorry, Juice. (laughs) Definitely check out the Fighting With Myself podcast for sure, but also check out the Split Decision podcast with my man Phil, the MMA dude, and the Fight Geek as they debate today's topics and all the news and matchups of MMA and it is awesome so we have now rocked our way through our Twitter questions Drea's drop of the night and our main card picks for next weekend's Poirier versus Hooker main card so Drea this is where we bid you adieu thank you so much for joining us again and we will absolutely talk to you later all right see you next week and now we have our voice questions Section of Combat Sports with Rhino We've only got one voice submission from this week Coming from my main man Jim Sue, from over there in Canada And Jim what do you have for us this week my friend
2: What's going on you bunch of Fucking casuals Rhino gang Hope you all are doing well uh, My question For you this week is uh, I can't remember the kid's name I just had it and I lost it now The poor kid who gave up their after the second round, people bashing a poor kid, fucking, I think it's disgusting what people are saying about the kid, like, fuck off, people, put your ass in there and fight for a living, see what the fuck you do, it's like, you know what I mean, like, give me a break, that's my question for you, man, what do you think of that poor kid, fucking quitting, I felt sorry that his fucking corn just let him out, hung him out to dry like that. In other words, no, we're not going to quit for you. You want to quit, you fuck, go tell me quit. That's sad, man. Actually, I think it was a cut man who really brought to the doctor's attention, who brought to the ref's attention. But that's my question anyways. It's always worth warning. Peace.
0: Yeah, dude, I also really felt for this kid, Max Roscoff. It's such a tough spot to be in. Uh, short notice, early in your career getting lumped up bad by Hubbard, dude it, as a quarterman, it's okay to encourage your fighter particularly a young one to to get off the stool and go back in there give him much a rah-rah uh especially if they're a person who has said before look i might get down on myself i need you to you know really encourage me to get back in there that's okay when the kid said he was done he used the, the phrase i'm done I don't have it. I'm done. He was exhausted. He was getting beat up bad. This is his first fight in the UFC. This this made no sense to try to really push him hard to get back out there. He was obviously losing. Again, this was the wrong move by Drysdale uh, in the corner of of Max. So yeah, dude, he was getting battered. He had his tongue on the floor, tired. And when he says I'm done, immediately you should go to the ref and say we're done. That's it. You got to protect your fighter. that's the, of the utmost, right? So again, definitely agree with you, buddy. It was a dick move by uh, Drysdale to try to force him back in there. And I hate when they do that. So I, you know, we've seen other, many other instances of that where corners are uh, like, no, you know, you're not quitting. Like you got to listen to your fighter, dude. So that's my take on that. Jim, thank you so much. Great to hear you. I know you're taking a break from Twitter, which is totally understandable and okay, but I'm sure glad to have you on the show, my friend hope all is well. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, now without further ado, I mean, I'm so excited for this one. I'm one of my favorite fighters of all time. We were introduced to him on season one of The Ultimate Fighter, and you want to talk about a forever long career in the UFC. What a guy. What a fighter. Tough as nails. One of the best left hands in the middleweight division ever. I mean, so cool. So joining me today, Chris, the Crippler in, goes 10 rounds with Rhino, and here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, I have quite the treat for all of you today, and actually a big treat for myself as a huge fan of this guy. Joining us today for 10 Rounds with Rhino is the man, the myth, the legend, Chris the Crippler Lieben. Thank you so much for joining us today, sir.
3: Well, thanks, man. Appreciate you having me.
0: Oh, dude, this is so awesome. I'm so excited for it. Um, so before we get into the questions, Chris, we – uh there was a big announcement that I'm not sure if all of my listeners were privy to yesterday. Uh, you had a big announcement on, uh, on the status of your career. Could you, would you mind sharing that one more time? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I'm going to, uh, I retired officially
3: yesterday. Um, it's been, it's been something I've been thinking about for, for a while, you know, for a while there, I was going to do one more, one more, but then, you know, um, because I have these other things in my life. I have these other factors, you know, um, that have had to kind of take a backseat. You, know, um, you know, probably the main one is, is my career as a referee, you know. Um, I'd like to go pro eventually and, and progress, you know, in that field. Um, and, you know, not, not something you can really do as a pro fighter. You can't be a pro fighter or a pro rep. It is kind of a conflict of interest. You know, so I kept thinking one more. I had a couple fights fall through. Then the last one, coronavirus hit, and it was like, okay, you know, just go ahead and uh, I was gonna call it after the next one anyways. So you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and move forward now.
0: Sure, that's completely understandable. And and you know, as someone who uh, also had I had like 11 year career, you've had over a 15 year career, and we all know what kind of toll that takes on the body and we know that when we get to uh, a certain age it's time to you know it's time to move on and kudos to you for kind of figuring out you know what this is the right time to go so uh very cool my friend thank you so much for sharing that with us so chris we're gonna go ahead and dive right in i've got my first question here the first round with rhino if you will and this is what i asked all the fighters because i always find it so compelling and interesting was how did you get your start in mma like what was the genesis of the crippler how'd you get started
3: well, my modeling career wasn't working out too good, and
0: now uh,
3: <laughs> you know. You know um, honestly, I did some uh, some some boxing in middle school. Um, wrestled, uh, you know, four years in high school. Wrestled really year round in high school. Um, I got out of high school, and uh, you know, I was already a fan of you know the UFC and everything. And uh, one day, you know, I was. I, you know, I went through some history. I was in the Army for a little bit, got out of that, came back home, got a job as a used car salesman, because that's what my brother at the time was doing as well.
2: And oh, then okay. he calls
3: me. He calls me one day, and he says, hey, man, I just got a job at this new car lot, and Randy Couture and Matt Lindlid are kicking the shit out of each other in the back, in the garage. Wow. I was, like, I was like, what? I'm on my way. <laughs> you know, so immediately jumped in my car sped down there um got out sure as shit there they were you know sparring in the back um and that that actually was team quest at the very 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 beginning it was actually matt linland's usa auto wholesale you know it was a mechanic garage that they had just thrown a wrestling mat down in the back you know so ended up running into my coach robert Fallis. Signed up, came back the next day to train, and that that was it, man. That was it, you know. I, I, Robert used to always tell this story that, uh, you know, about being. He used to talk about motivation because when I was young, every day after the first day I signed up, I'd walk in, Robert, say, "How you doing, Chris?" I'd say, "Did you get me a fight yet? Did you get me a fight yet?" Every All day I right, did right. that to him, and, and and literally because of that, I probably was only training. Six months by the time I had my first MMA fight, he was just like, "Fuck, shut up," you know. Here I'll get <laughs> you. You know, and then, uh, you know, went went out. That was Chael Sonnen show. That was Rumble at the Roseland. Um, went out, won my first fight, and I was hooked. And that was it. It was it was it was a lifetime thing from that point forward. <laughs>
0: absolutely dude um most of us got to know you for the first time on tough season one i mean the 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 breakthrough that was for the sport of mma tough season one uh we all saw the good the bad and the ugly of all kinds of different fighters you know the for the background of the how how things happen in the house to the fights and everything else what what is what's like a good thing or what are some of the good things that came out of uh being on that show Oh man. I mean, dude, the, the list is endless.
3: First off, the UFC stayed around, you know, Yeah. it might not have without that show. You know, it was, they were hurting at the time, you know, we had no idea the impact that that show was going to have, you know, on, on our, our nation's culture and what it was going to do for the UFC and combat sports. We had no idea the effect that show was going to have. Um, you know, I went from being, you know, from thinking, you know, I remember telling Dean maybe I'll be able to get some free beers when I get back to Portland, Oregon, <laughs> to, to, to not being able to walk around the shopping mall anymore without getting stopped a million times, you know, to being almost a lot of us became almost household names, you know. Sure, and, sure. And, and, and uh, you know, obviously I explain it to people. I say it's similar to like, uh, like boot camp. Nobody wants to go to boot camp. It's no fun. But, you know, as far as your career goes, you got to do it. You know, and when it's over, you're glad you did it. But just during it, it sucks.
0: Yeah. Um,
3: I mean, you're locked in a house. You know, you got, I don't know, 15, 20 tough guys. No TV, no radio, no books. uh, Just booze just booze and other tough guys that are going to be fighting you soon in the house. All ultimately turns out that's a recipe for phenomenal, phenomenal reality TV. Sure. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> so it, it, it turns out that recipe worked well.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Do the, uh, so that, that was kind of the, 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 the start point for, or of your UFC career, obviously, but, that career spanned a whole lot longer than the vast majority of your cast mates. You've got wins over legends of the sport, Vanderlei, sexy Yama, Phil Baroni, Mike Swick, Alessio Sakhar, and the list goes on and on. Do any of those fights, Chris, do any of them like kind of stick out? Like, man, I love that fighter. That's one I could watch all the time. Or that one is really one I want to put a pin in, in my career to look back on and be like, God, I love that fucking fight.
3: You know, there, 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 I mean, you know, every fight is your biggest fight, you know. Um, You know, Akiyama was phenomenal because, you know, I I had just come off a win over an undefeated Aaron Simpson 14 days prior. And I turned around and went in and beat Akiyama, who nobody thought I was going to beat. And ultimately, that set me up to get the fight against Vandalay Silva. Because I had been asking for Vandalay for years and Dana wouldn't give him to me. I wanted to fight Vandalay because he was my hero, not because I thought I would win. But Akiyama was supposed to fight Vandalay. Vandalay got hurt, so that so I came in as a last-minute replacement. Ended up winning, got that fight against Vandalay, which uh, obviously worked out well and worked out in my favor. Um, you know, and, and I think... Uh, you know, for me, that, that may have been one of the, the biggest moments in my martial arts career to be able to go out there and uh, fight
0: and beat your own hero. Yeah, you know? dude, I, that, that's amazing. I do remember a clip of you. I remember, I think this was post-fight where they were like, you said you would, uh, I think it was after the Simpson fight, you were home eating a pizza when you got the call to fight Sexy Yama, and you were like, well, better put the pizza down and go fucking get on the road and start running. I see her call that one. That's what, I mean, come on, man, to do that short notice, but it's just amazing, um, Chris. So you you grew up in Portland, as as we know, and you've talked about. Uh, you've also trained in various other places, but I know you spent a lot of time in Hawaii. Uh, can you kind of tell us what Hawaii as a state? Because I know you lived there for for quite a while. Can you tell us what Hawaii kind of meant to you, um, as far as just kind of in the grand scheme of things? Man, yeah, I I I love Hawaii. Um, There's
3: just, there's something about, you know, they call it the mana or whatever, the power of the land. And there's just, there's something about training there, you know, running sprints on the beach and then getting in the ocean afterward. My team out there was phenomenal. You know, we trained hard, we partied hard. I mean, we, you know, I, I, I had, I was there for almost 10 years, you know, yeah and and honestly, I probably would have never left, Um, you know, in a lot, in a lot of ways. My heart is still in, in in Hawaii. I love the culture, I love the people. It's 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 a fighting culture. They love fighters out there, you know. They they they, they respect and honor that. You know, uh, you know, it's one of those places where, you know, you're you're going to throw down before somebody shoots you, you know. If you got beef with somebody, you're you're going to fight and if you if you lose, then then hey, at least you showed that you were tough. You know, that's that's kind of the way Hawaii is. You don't have to worry about getting shot you know, getting stabbed. Um, you know, people, you know, it, it, your friends always have your back, you know, you know what I mean? No matter what, um, just good people, good people out there, you know, and, and super conducive for training. I mean, besides the fact you're in one of the most beautiful places in the world, you know, a lot of, a uh, lot of high level athletes, you know, coming out of, coming out of, uh, uh Hawaii. So, you know, I, 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 you know, the only problem, the biggest problem is Hawaii. The only reason I'm there, I'm not there nowadays, is because unless you're a tourist, man, most people don't have any money. Hard to run a gym out there. Hard to do private lessons. Hard to, you know, hard to even referee because you're you're kind, you're stuck on an island, and, and most of the locals are kind of just, you know, they're they're struggling. Check to check. I mean, there's no real industry. Um, so I mean, besides the beach, barbecue, and train. You know, which which I love all three of those, you know, but besides those, there's not a lot going on.
0: Totally understandable, dude. And man, you really painted a beautiful picture. And we all saw, um, you know, the old countdown specials with BJ Penn and him training over there or uh, Kendall Grove, you know, some of the early on guys. And yeah, it always looked like such a dream to be over there but I could definitely see the flip side to it also uh Chris you mentioned earlier um a little bit about refereeing so I think a lot of my listeners may or may not know that you in fact have completed the Herb Dean MMA refereeing course and are a certified MMA official uh can you kind of walk us through how you became interested in doing that yeah I mean you know I
3: initially I didn't, when I, I didn't know I was going to be able to go back to fighting. I didn't think my health was going to allow me to, um, you know, that's that whole story with the heart issues and everything else that I had, you know, and I wanted to continue to be part of the sport. I wanted to give back to the sport that had given me so much, you know, and, 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 and is always something I've always, initially I I thought I could do a better job. Right. And I learned I did, I learned it's a freaking hard job, you know, um, you know, everybody watches the fight. The ref, the ref makes a call that they don't think is perfect and everybody loses their mind and they do not understand, have any idea how difficult it is to make those split second decisions when, when fighter safety is, you know, is obviously of of the, the, the utmost paramount, you know, issue, you know, um, so, you know, I did, I, I went and I took Herb Dean's course uh, way harder than I thought it was going to be. Matter of fact, I think, I believe out of my group, I'm the only person that passed out of wow. the, the 15 or 20 guys that were in, that were in my course. Um, so just to give you an idea, you know, and, and Big John's is, is no easier, maybe even harder. You know, um, I think Big John I only passes two people. <laughs> no matter how many people are in the course, you know, so you've got to pass that to be a referee in California. You got to pass that course. Then I had to get, uh, get licensed by camo, which is the California amateur martial arts organization. And it's been about three years now that I've been, uh, I've been working with, working with camo, usually at least one or two weekends a month. I'm somewhere in, uh, in California uh, uh, officiating, you know, and I'm, I'm b- both refereeing and judging, you know, so I've done my, t- I've been doing my time, you know, getting my skills up, develop, developing my, my skills as a referee, you know, obviously, you know, if you're going to make mistakes, you better make them, you want to make them at the amateur level. You don't want to make them, you know, at, at the pro level, because that, that is an unforgiving place to mess up as a referee. So, you know um so i've definitely put in the time the practice you know i'm always watching anytime i watch an event i probably spend more time watching the referee where he is how where he's standing what he's doing uh what calls he makes you know more so than than even watching the the fighters nowadays you know so so it's been a it's been a long road it's it's been a progression but uh, but uh, I absolutely love the job. I think it's I think it's an honor, you know, and, and, and you know I, I treat it with, with the most respect you possibly could. I mean, you know, we the, the, the referee is almost like the general of, of the uh, of the fight card. I mean you gotta tell the you gotta you gotta to talk to the doctor, you gotta let the paramedics know where they are, you gotta make sure everything's going right backstage. You got to, you know, somebody's checking guys to get into the cage. And then, and then during the fight, obviously, you know, you're making all those decisions. Like, do I take a point? Do I not take a point? Was that, is that worth uh, disqualifying him over or or not? Was that, was that low, low? Was it late? Was it, you know, so a lot going on, a super intense job, uh, you know, and I absolutely love it.
0: Yeah, dude, we've, we've talked we've talked about it a lot on the show, and we've talked about it a lot on MMA Twitter. I'm, a, I'm somebody who is a, a big proponent of former fighters, especially high-level fighters, getting into positions like that, whether it be uh, officiating or judging or, or being a referee. I think there is just an inherent advantage to um, switching into those roles from someone who has been there uh, as a top-level fighter for at least a, you know, a few years to have that experience. And I can't, I can't quantify it. I can't say exactly why this, that, or the other. I, you know, I just there, It'd be a list a mile long, but I honestly believe that. So seeing people like Frank Trigg and yourself, and I know Ricardo Almeida is going into the judging, guys like that doing positions like you're in, I think are only going to benefit the sport. So hats off to you, sir. I, I think that's awesome. Uh, no, Chris, moving on to your physical, uh, your fit, how you look physically, you legitimately look in better shape than when you did in your mid twenties. I'm a couple years older than you, but you're 39 dude. And you legit, I'm, this is no exaggeration. You physically look better, uh, than you did all those years ago. And you looked good back then. What would you say is, is the difference, man? Like, what have you been doing uh, in the last few years that has your physique looking as jacked and, uh, and fight ready as you are? Well, you know, I, the, the last, you know,
3: five years or so, you know, since I've really been on the, the, the program to get and stay sober, um, I, you know, not only did it, you know, because of the heart issues I had, not only did I, did I cut out, you know, you know, the drugs and, and the alcohol, you know, all that stuff, but I also had to totally revamp my life. I had to learn how to manage my stress in a different way. I moved a block from the beach. You know, and I completely changed my diet and my supplementation. You know, I take a bunch of different, you know, organic wheatgrass and spirulina and hawthorn berry, garlic powder. I take all these <laughs> organic powders every single day, you know, for my health, you know, and I eat to feed the machine. That's yeah. it. I don't eat anything that uh, that is not going to benefit my body, you know, so lots of chicken, lots of rice lots of vegetables. And that's pretty much it, man. Sometimes it's steak, chicken, sometimes it's steak, rice, vegetables, sometimes it's salmon, rice, vegetables. Sometimes I'll cut the rice out and just have vegetables and meat, you know, but but that's but that's it. There's no there's no gummy bears, you know, there there's no soda, there's no ice cream. I just I eventually I realized that that stuff, you know, I get so inflamed from from even a little bit of sugar nowadays, and, and you know how it is, you know, I'm 39. Now, you know, when I cheat, if I go to a party and I have cheesecake or something like that, I feel like crap. It literally, I have a hangover for food the next day. Yeah. So, so especially the last two years, I've just, I just quit eating it ever, you know, and then that way I don't miss it because I'm one of those guys, you know, everything in excess, nothing in moderation. If, if I have one cookie tonight, I need three tomorrow. Then then by Friday, I'm eating a whole bag of them. Sure. So I I I mean, not everybody has to be this way. It's just the way I am. I had to completely cut processed sugar out of my diet 100%, you know. And, and I think I believe that that as well plays a huge part in it.
0: Yeah, absolutely, dude. And I'm, I've kind of been uh, on the same journey this past couple of months I uh, you know I found you know I, I, I'm 41 so you know and I haven't fought in a couple of years as you know especially during the quarantine I saw the weight going up up and up you know what I mean so I kind of had to uh, put all the things that I love aside really focus on kind of what you said I've been going real hard on uh, chicken and tuna and vegetables and then kind of the active fast where I only eat between 10 and 5 in the afternoon yep. you know what I mean and then that's it So I've really seen, I've lost 37 pounds, dude. So I really, I really seen the benefits of it. So I, I I give you again, kudos for, uh, for doing that. And I'm hoping to, uh, get down to fight weight, uh, myself one more time. So, uh, Chris, we, uh, you kind of just answered it, but when, when you do have, like, you're giving yourself a little bit of like, what's your favorite thing that you still allow yourself to eat? Like your favorite thing that, you know, it's still on the menu. It's still okay. You may not do it every week but it's one of your most favorite things that you could still enjoy. What's what's that? What's on the list?
3: Well, the really the only thing I eat is I'll take uh I'll do like some uh some fruit like some strawberries, you know, and I'll put that like that 5% yogurt and then maybe yeah. like a little bit of agave on that. It's almost like ice cream. It's pretty good. That's about it. That's about as crazy as, as I'll get.
0: Hey, that's completely fair, man. We, we just talked about why we're on the right, you know, the, the right diet path. So that sounds like a pretty good treat. All things considered, I'd say. Um, it is. So yeah, dude. So uh, ninth round, Chris, we're in the second to last one. So you became a father for the first time in 2017, um, I know that you have just announced your retirement, but I wrote this question prior to that. So indulge me if you will. So as far as becoming a dad, what kind of changes does that have to make for not, well, we could transfer it. So instead of being a fighter and into your refereeing career and going into other things, where does, um, how does new fatherhood kind of adjust your schedule for other things? Well,
3: you, uh, you, man, you hit the nail on the head. That's the big part of it. You know, Tr- the training camp in particular the way that i need to have a training camp to feel comfortable to go in and compete you know um one thing nobody's ever accused me of is is not coming in shape or or not or not I, i do a lot of things wrong but you know under training has never been an issue with me over training has always been the issue it still is um You know, and, and when, when I'm preparing for a fight, everything else in life has to be put on hold, you know, that, you know, that that's, that's coaching, that's, you know, I can't take the gigs repping that I want to take towards the end and last, but definitely not least, most important is my family. My family to a large extent gets put on hold. You know, when I'm training two or three times a day and I come home, I have to take a nap. I don't have time to, to play with my kid. I don't have time to hang out. Look, I got to nap, I got to eat, and I got to get, get ready to get back to the gym and train hard again. You know, right. everything takes a back seat. So that is a factor. That is a huge factor in, in me deciding, uh, you know, for retirement. And now, you know, that, that, that I am a father, you know, it, it really does, you know, like there's no fucking up, man. Fucking up is not acceptable anymore. You know what I right. mean? I can't, for example... Before I could go spend my money, you know what? And if I was late on rent, big deal. Screw the landlord. What are they going to do? Kick me out? You know what I mean? Like, no, I can't have that. I can't. If You know, I have to have money in the bank if the car breaks down. I have to, you know, no matter, you know, if Corona hits and I can't go to the gym for three months to, to teach, I have to be able to get through that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So the way that I, that I prepare, the way that I think about finances, you know, everything I, you know, all the plays that I make moving forward are all, always take in to consideration, you know, my son, my family's well-being and what, what's going to be the, uh, the safest and best route for me to be able to provide
0: for them absolutely dude and yeah that that was a beautifully answered question uh, chris we have now careened our way into the 10th round this is the wild card round dude as my listeners know anything can happen this is out of the box this could this is fucking insanity every time so here we go chris this is uh this is you you getting the chance to avenge any loss you ever took in your mma career but you get to do it in the bare knuckle ring okay it can be, it can be Brian Stan, it can be Bisping, it can be Koscheck. Who are you picking for just if you, let's say, let's say you were gonna have one more, right? And it was gonna be in the bare knuckle ring, not the MMA cage. Any loss you ever wanted to avenge, who would it be? Oh man, that'd have to be have to be Koscheck, man, because
3: you know, uh, me 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 and that guy got a got a history, not to mention. His striking sucks. He's a wrestler. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wait, you didn't – For didn't sure. That guy has to stand up toe-to-toe with me the
0: whole time. Love yep. it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm telling you what, bro. I put, a name, I put a list of a few names on there, but I wrote Josh Koscheck about five times bigger than the other ones because I yeah. was hoping you were going to say that one, and I figured you were, so – Oh, uh, that's too fucking fun and too cool. Well, Chris, again, as someone who's been a fan for, for 15 years, uh, I am so appreciative of you uh, taking the time on. I know my my listeners are going to love it. Um, I had a great interview with Gray Maynard a couple of weeks ago. I had a great interview with Jamal Hill last week. But it's great to have guys like yourself who I've been a fan of for so long. Uh, again, dude, thank you so much for being on with me today. And uh, we look forward to seeing what you got next going on in your officiating career.
3: Right on. Thank you, brother. Thanks for having me. This is Chris the Crippler leaving, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino.
0: I mean, come on, people. How cool was that? Chris the Crippler leaving. Oh my gosh, I stand the dude. That was too cool. And very neat to uh to be able to talk to him just a day or two after his uh retirement from bare knuckles. So we got him in a great time. What a you know, what a story that he has, what a uh career. I mean, I can't say enough good things about the guy. It was so, so fun to talk to him and get to know him. Uh, so, that's yes, thank you so much, Krista Krippler, for leaving. I hope you enjoy your retirement. And we will see you in the cage again, not as a fighter, but as a top tier ref. I'm sure of it. So, let me go ahead and dive right into my shout outs for this week's episode Mr. B, Cyrus King, Dave Fretz. Once again, at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes on Twitter and Instagram, the Einstein of Graphic Design. My man, Phil, the MMA dude, Jim Asood, all you guys for their questions. Thank you so much. Big shout out to the Rhino gang. Gang, gang. <laughs> of course, to Drea for your drop of the night, your Twitter question reading, and our picks. To my man, D. Reigns, my, my engineer, man. D. Reigns, so glad to have you back. So glad that you had a great break over the weekend you were refreshed and renewed we're ready to rock and roll in normal schedule moving forward Sundays we will be here I've got a pretty good guest lined up I think for this Sunday so stay tuned for that one but man uh, I hope everybody enjoys the show we got great fights coming up this weekend you know and one more time and I, and I don't want to get all judgy and preachy uh, every weekend but just one more time literally if there's no justice for everyone, there's no justice for anyone. Love your neighbor. Love your family. Love your friends. Social distance when you can. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Let's get through this together, everybody. You know the Rhino loves you. And we can't wait to see you next week. K time!